Finch, it's time for something different. Time to look at ice hockey. It's Whoa. hockey time here on the bench. It's hockey time. We got to get siren going. You hear, you hear where it? Where did that come from? On the we 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 work hard here on the bench to get those promos going. And joining us in the studio tonight, we have one of the up and coming stars from the North Sydney Bears in Jeremy Vasquez, and very proud of last season's efforts, Coach Ron Kaprowski. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, we'll start off with some NHL talk because that's all everybody's talking about at the moment. The playoffs are only a couple of weeks away. NHL teams are down to nine or ten games remaining. And for some of us, the end of the season can't come quick enough, like my Senators. And for some of us, the season really can't come quickly enough because they entered with really high expectations, like Ron's Oilers. But really... Probably the biggest surprise at the moment is the way that the Toronto Maple Leafs have imploded. They've they've just they're going so bad that my Senators beat them six two. What 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 what's going on with the Leafs? Do you reckon from a coaching perspective? First, Ron. Well, hard to say. There must be some issues going on. Uh, Babcock Babcock benched uh, Matthews for pretty well the whole first period, their last game there, but it seemed to motivate them. Put a put a flame up his butt, and he came out and scored the winner, and you know took the first star. So there must be something going on. So. Um, watch this space in Toronto land, I guess. Eh? Well, there was an interesting point that I picked up on uh, from Elliot Friedman, who is the doyen of uh, hockey journalists in the uh, North American market. If you're looking for a comparable in the rugby league world, you're probably looking at Andrew Webster, uh, formerly maybe Peter Fralingos. But Elliot Friedman touched on the fact that maybe there's a little bit of tension in styles and philosophies between general manager Kyle Dubas and Babcock that could be driving some uh, wedges through the team. Well, with any luck, we'll drive them right over to the Oilers and, uh, you know, we'll be ready for 2020. Well, you're still looking for another coach. Mind you, you've you got a few more holes to plug rather than just a coaching situation at the moment, Ron, over in Oilerland. But, Jeremy, you, you've just come back from the east coast of the United States, living in Cape Cod and playing there. And if there's one or two markets that would be enjoying the fact that the Leafs are really hitting the wall at the moment, one would be Montreal. And thankfully, Anthony Crusoe is not in the studio to talk them up. But the other one would probably be where you where you were basically living an hour and or so away would be the Boston Bruins. Yeah, they're on a roll right now. You know, they have uh, unreal offense. Uh absolutely solid defense right now and uh, they're looking good going into the playoffs. I'm really looking forward to seeing a repeat of, I think it was the 2012 or 2013, the lockout shortened season where the Leafs made the playoffs. I want to see Game 7 again. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, the Leafs led that game 4-1, which is an unbelievable lead. You don't give up those leads in the playoffs. They conceded three goals. Two of them were against the extra skater with about a minute left and then they lost it in overtime and what wouldn't it just be great to... I'm hoping you're not a Leafs fan, Jeremy, because I know Andrew Bourne's listening. He's a diehard Leafs fan. But regardless of what Andrew thinks, wouldn't it be great to see the Leafs choke again? They're, they're the manly of the NHL. Yeah, you know, they just got Tavares in, so... Exactly. And they go so, off and sign the yeah. best player available in free agency from the poor old Islanders who can't win a chook raffle. Yeah, but, you know, the Islanders are doing well with their new coach, Barry Trotz, and, uh, you know, it'd be nice to rub it in their face a bit. Speaking of teams that are doing well with a new acquisition, this is when I turn on the crying sound effect because it's no longer with Ottawa. <laughs> Shut up, you. You're, you're just celebrating because you've got Ottawa's first-round pick. It's going to be first overall, and you're going to 
draft a generational talent in Jack Hughes. So Good. you just sit there and be quiet, Colorado boy. But Sorry, your Lord Mendes. <laughs> that's another fine for you. It's going in the kitty. Now, a team that is doing well with its new acquisition is the Vegas Golden Knights. They surprised the world by literally the world. It was making headlines around the world, and that's something that the NHL generally doesn't do because it's ranked the fourth of the major North American sports. But Mark Stone has really settled in there after a couple of pointless games early, but he's just carving it up over there. Yeah, I watched them today. Watched the uh, watched the Knights just just dismantle Winnipeg five zip. They it was just a one way show. They, you know, the Zamboni only had to do half the ice, but um, yeah, he's a he's a big influence. That whole team is just powerful. I mean, every one of them is our big. They're men, you know. They're not they're not boys skating around there trying to you know pick up the ten million dollar paycheck. They're they're men on a mission. So uh, you know, the West Side's got to watch the Knights this year again, same as last year, and this year won't be so much of a surprise. And that that's where I just wonder exactly where the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be able to pull that from because last season, that as I said, they surprised the world. And as you say, they're not a surprise this year. So not having that element of surprise, obviously when you get to the playoffs, you don't get to the playoffs by accident. But how do they go about beating teams last se- this season as opposed to last season? Because last year they had William Carlson scoring everywhere. And, this, and these days... To use a soccer parlance, you can't hit the broadside of a barn from point blank. But how, how do they go about it? Because when you look at the team, it's a good young team, but really Marc-Andre Fleury's carried the way in net for them last season. And this year, he's, he's human, he's all right, but he's not doing that great. Well, I watched Subban today, so I mean, they're pretty well set up for having the two-goalie system. So they're going to go into the playoffs, you know, primed and ready to go. So there's, there's a team that, like you say, you know... Put your uh, Vegas hat on, put your Tampa hat on, and get ready for the Stanley Cup Finals. Is that something you would have liked to have done, Jeremy? Go to Vegas and watch a hockey game and nothing else? <laughs> at, at least we're saying nothing else as long as your mum's listening? Uh, yeah, it would be nice. You know, they have a great rink and, uh, and a good setup, so it'd be nice. What else do you reckon you might get up to in Vegas if you got over there? We, we know that the legal drinking age Let's in just Vegas say uh, whatever 21, happens in Vegas uh, stays in Vegas. Oh, sorry, sorry <laughs> You've been Nicole. watching too many movies. <laughs> sorry, Nicole. We, sh- we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have let that loose. Another team that is, is really starting to fire at the moment, but they, they've got a really weak division this season by comparison to come through, is the defending champions, the Washington Capitals. Normally, it's the Metro and the Central that just dominate everybody, but this year it looks like the the divisions that you're going to struggle to come out of and really be beaten up in are the two oceanic divisions, I suppose you'd call them, the Atlantic and the Pacific. So what are the chances of the Caps going through and doing a job on Pittsburgh, who have been a perennial favourite, Ron, and also a team that really, really loaded up at the deadline in Columbus, who are probably going to lose their two best players to free agency in the summer? Well, Columbus better 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 get their act together because they're not in the playoffs right now. So you know if they don't they don't pick it up a couple of notches, you know Habitat going to be there and this ain't going to be Columbus. So I think Washington's biggest problem is Pittsburgh again because it's a rivalry and Crosby's still there. So you know watch the space again because it's going to be another one of them Washington Pittsburgh Game Seven Finals. I'm just hanging out to see Columbus miss the playoffs. They plummet all the way down. They win the lottery. That, that means they keep their first-round pick, but it doesn't go to Ottawa. But then you see Duchesne and Dezingle and Bobrovsky and Panarin all walk in free agency. They suck next year. They finish last overall, and then Ottawa gets their pick. That would be a nice compensation, wouldn't it, Jeremy? Can, can we can we organise that? Can you go back to it Columbus be, and, and just kneecap some people? <laughs> it would be quite nice for the franchise to get that pick back, but 
I don't know about that one. Now, I don't think we ever established who you follow in the NHL. I know Ron's a, an Oilers tragic, and um, I don't know how you're not going more grey than what you are already, given you can't win and you've got Connor McDavid in there, who in a rugby league parlance would be the love child of Thurston and Johns. But who do you follow in the NHL, Jeremy? Or, or are you a bit of a bandwagon jumper? No, nah, I'm not. A, I'm not a bandwagon. I'm more, more of a like a NHL connoisseur, you know. But uh, NH, uh, NHL wise, probably the New York Rangers. That's a family team, so you know. And that, that's where not, that's not much where of you, a brag, but that, well, not this season. It's not that they've. They, they did struggle for a long time in the original six, and if it wasn't for a wraparound save, we could still be chanting 1940 to you guys. But is that where your family's originally from, or is that where you're from, born and bred, or how did that come about? Nah, you know, both my parents didn't play hockey, so mm-hmm. they just they they just really liked the NHL and they loved the jerseys, I guess, or something about the team. Probably Henrik Lundqvist because he's he's a he's a uh, bit of a man rocket. So, uh, is that anything to do with your mum liking Henrik Lundqvist? Because we know he's got he he's just one of the poorest individuals in terms of the genetic lottery. He can sing, he can play guitar, he's good looking, he's an elite athlete. He's living in New York City. I mean, that that bloke just has it so tough, doesn't he? He's just lost the lottery of life <laughs> yeah he's a super sweet super sweet yeah eric carlson's like that too and there's another player that ottawa moving on uh, <laughs> we had we had up, sir. silence you we're talking hockey at the moment yes you, i know that's why i'm sitting here enjoying this yeah let's talk about the macquarie ice rink because that that was in the news a few weeks ago before it was saved um by a combination of new south wales government intervention and community intervention how important was that to really save that rink ron given how important it is to basically the genetics of the sydney bears because the sydney bears weren't always the sydney bears they were originally the macquarie bears and now sydney ice dogs are freeloading off the hard work of the bears and we'll look after that during the season i hope jeremy just a couple of stray elbows maybe into some jaws or some throats and how important is macquarie to the genetics of the bears ron well, right, right now it's the heart and soul of, of hockey in Sydney. I mean, if you're going to go anywhere to watch quality hockey, you have to go to, to uh, Macquarie right now. So, um, you know, with the uh, prospect of losing it was pretty devastating, thinking, you know, where are we going to try to move the show to and that, and, you know, knowing that it's going to be coming back. It's a, it's a big boost to everybody, you know, something to look for in the future, you know, a bigger and better rink. Um, it's going to just make hockey stronger and stronger. We just probably have a little, little downtime there, but, you know, once they get it up and going again, and hockey's going to come back, bounce back, you know, tenfold. So, especially because you, you've got the the situation previously before Macquarie got the big upgrade, where the Bears were quite nomadic. It was Penrith, then it was uh, Balkham Hills, and then back to Penrith, and before that, I think it was Blacktown for a little while before Blacktown got knocked down. So, it's been quite a nomadic existence since Macquarie really took that backward step in terms of the facilities there. But now that Macquarie is up to scratch, as soon as it got up to scratch, all of a sudden talk that it gets knocked down and replaced by a, a half-size rink, one that will imp, would have impacted hockey, but also ice skating and speed skating and figure skating and all the rest of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, people come to watch the game, but they're also there for the venue. I mean, you can't you can't get away from that. And I mean, if you don't have a first-class venue, you're not going to get a you know first-class um, you know, league going on. So, I mean, you need to you need to make sure that the venue fits the sport. And you know, Macquarie Macquarie right now is after the upgrade and everything that that. Really you know, fine. It's perfect. It's it's world uh, 
world size, world ice size for the Olympics and that. It's, you know, the boards are redone, the stands are redone. It's, it's a good rink right now, so it was kind of a shock to, you know, finally get it back to the standard where it was supposed to be and find out that it's only going to be there for a bit. And so Now, obviously, playing overseas, Jeremy, you're used to the elite standard rinks and something that uh, Macquarie does lack that Newcastle has and I know that Melbourne has is the plexiglass and that makes it a lot easier to play your North American style. You bang the puck off the glass and you smash guys into the glass but then they get bent over, now they get bent over the boards because there's only netting and how, how much different is it playing with the netting rather than the plexiglass? I'd say it's almost a a really big game changer, you know. You, you're getting you're getting hurt from the from the ribs. You know, we had a we had a player last season or the season before get you know going a going an ambulance Esposito mm-hmm. just from uh, just from a hit. You know, like a nothing hit, and uh, it changes the game too. You know, you can't you can't dump and chase off the off the glass. You can't if you're in a if you're in a little struggle, you can't just chip off the glass into the other person's zone, and uh, you know it's. It makes hockey in Australia much different to anywhere else. What's your preference? Do you prefer the glass or do you prefer the netting? Absolutely, the glass. You know, when you take a sh- even when you take a shot, it's a it's a weird bounce off the netting, and no one's no one knows what they're doing, and then the ref doesn't even know when to blow the whistle because you there's no all of it's netting, so you usually blow the whistle above the glass, but. Since there's no glasses, no, it's a it's it's a really grey area. Now, for those who aren't necessarily the closest fans of the Australian League, when you do play with glass, do, does that rule come into effect? Where um, I suppose, or that that change for teams where the teams that do play regularly with glass, like the Newcastles and the Melbournes, all of a sudden they struggle to play you. So that really does create, I suppose, a real. Even though you prefer the glass, that really does create a real home rick advantage for those guys. Yeah. Given that they're used to playing with the glass, yeah, it certainly does. You know, we got all these teams that you know Melbourne comes in from their top top end facility with with perfect ice and a great great glass, and they not come, that you're jealous or anything. Yeah, not not <laughs> not jealous at all. But uh, yeah, and then they come they come in with uh, no glass, and they can't they can't do those little chip plays. Does that make it? more difficult for you when you go down there to play against them with the glass or does it obviously it's difficult for them to come up here and not play with the glass but how difficult is it to go down there and then adapt to the glass yeah it certainly is difficult because they have all they you know they practice there so you know they they have all the angles down and whatnot so so if you lose against the ice or the mustangs this season then ron's going to bag skate you yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Bag skating is when you whip the guys into shape and you send them for lap after lap after lap in hockey parlance. Getting to to the Bears, though, it's great to have the Sydney Bears on board as sponsors of not just the bench but also Splinters, the bench podcast. And hopefully we'll get you in for an NHL playoff edition fairly soon, Jeremy. And then we've got the Australian League uh, preview show that we'll hopefully be getting to um, probably the week that it starts. I think we're scheduled for the the Tuesday after round one and we'll, we'll touch on that. But um, Ron, 2018, so close. But at the same time, when I, I remember I sat down with uh, team vice president Matt Burrell at the start of the season and said, okay, what are the expectations? How many games are we going to win? And Matt came up with, well, something along the lines of, if we don't run last, we're going to be happy. 
what what was the final emotion looking back on the season? Was it pride? Was it happiness? Was it frustration? To get so close to winning it, knowing that you went into the season and pretty much everybody was saying, all right, we've got seven teams that can win it, and then you got the Bears. Yeah, no, I don't think I ever took that opinion. I don't think any of the players ever thought that. Um, you know, we we went into the season positive. We, we you know, the year before, you know, there's a couple injuries that we had that prevented us from getting onto the playoffs, but we were still in the hunt right up to the last month. So, you know, if we would have been healthy and stayed healthy, we would have made the playoffs the year before. So, going into last year, we were optimistic about our chances. You know, um, there was a few changes at the beginning of the season that you know we had to endure some players getting poached and whatnot. But um, you know, we bounced back. We came in with the same work ethic we had the year before. Picked up a few really good imports, and um, yeah, basically played as a team, and you know, one one goal away. What can I say, Jeremy? For, from a player's perspective, obviously, it would have been incredibly frustrating to lose that game in overtime. But at, at the end of the day, the Brave that they they dominated like the Lightning are doing in the NHL this season. That they were almost untouchable. But to take them to overtime, once you got past that disappointment of losing, that that must have been something that you could really hang your hat on and say, you know what, they, these guys, they, they, this is the gold standard. They're probably too good for the league based on what they did last season. And to run them that close in the decider, that must have been incredibly in, an incredibly proud thing to have done. Yeah, you know that. It's like going up against the Golden State of hockey, you know. They, they, they're they're a class above. But you know, we we did our best and we we took them to overtime, obviously. So it, that shows, you know, we everyone everyone gave it a hundred percent, and yeah. Not much more you can say. Yeah, I don't know. You, you yeah. kind we kind of covered it all. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the Brave will be the rivals simply because of that grand final uh, experience. And the Ice Dogs need no introduction, as we mentioned before, for freeloading off the hard work for Macquarie. And it's always fun to go and watch a Bears-Ice Dogs game because even though fighting is banned, chances are you are going to see the gloves drop. But who else are you looking forward to meeting and hopefully beating this season? Who's your real rival after those top two? Um... I'd say probably probably Newcastle because it's because they're you know another close team. They were a real disappointment last season. Yeah, they didn't have the run that they were expecting, obviously. But you know, more for more for us, less for them. You know, but uh, certainly looking forward to seeing what they have this year. Yeah. Who do you think are going to be the big threats this year, Ron? Obviously, the rivalry with the Brave and the Dogs, but who who are you really expecting to make the the real step up? Because the Ice weren't exactly on the pace last season either, and the North Stars, I read something from new coach John Kennedy. He said they expect to make the playoffs. They don't don't go in thinking that it's it's going to be a a good season. They, They go in there, and if they don't make it to the playoffs, then they consider it a failure. Well, I think every team considers it a failure if you don't make it to the playoffs. So, I mean, that's no surprise they'd come up with that. But uh, I think this year, you know, we're going to have to be looking at the Braves again. I mean, you know, they're they they're, they're picking up, you know, more imports again, and they're consolidating their team, and, you know, they're doing a great job up there. So that's going to be a, a team to beat. And the Ice are going to be a great team again this year. They're going to have the Swedish connection back. That thing, that last year was a bit of a lull for them. So, you know, we caught them off guard last year. But this year, you've got to watch for the Ice. 
And, you know, all the teams are going to be competitive. I mean, it, it was a great le- uh, season last year. I mean, the last playoff spot wasn't set till the buzzer went in the last game, mm. which is, I mean, you can't ask for anything closer when you want to win. That, that's of always fun when you're keeping an eye on the out of town yeah. scoreboard and you're waiting for Twitter feed to come through and then you're trying to use the calculator at the same time and goals against and who did you beat and what was that? Well, and, it was, and, it was, and it was three teams and it was actually four teams if you really look at it closely. I mean, it was right down to anybody could have made that. I think that, going into the last weekend, the only team that was written off was the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Um, not the Avalanche, the Adrenaline. Yeah, thank the you. The Adrenaline. Um, yeah, we'll say the Avalanche just to <laughs> shut you up. Um, the Adrenaline was the only team that was re- that mathematically could not make it going into the last weekend. And then I think going into the Sunday, I think was it the Mustangs got done first? And then yeah. we had uh, Newcastle and then Perth and then the Dogs came down to the death. And yeah. that must have been sweet seeing the Dogs miss. <laughs> well, you know, what, yeah, what can we say? <laughs> Happy to see that, I guess. You, you, d- you just don't want to mention on air in case you motivate them, but just give us a thumbs up in the studio if that was really sweet. Oh, yeah, there'd be a couple there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been fun, though, play, playing through and knowing that you guys were headed to the playoffs, Jeremy, but knowing that the Ice Dogs, they were on the outside looking in and they were really on the outside looking in until the last second. Yeah, it's a good feeling because that was my first playoffs, obviously, so it was a... Uh, it was a great experience and uh, really enjoyed it. Now, speaking of different experiences for you, we touched on it earlier. You do, you did play overseas and you've played in Boston and Cape Cod. And where else have you played overseas? Uh, I played in I played in Ottawa for four years. And oh, uh, champion! No, no wonder you're so good. Yeah, <laughs> I you, just, you can uh, stop crawling now. Oh, <laughs> shut up! You. I just uh, I played at a hockey academy uh, east of Ottawa about. 40 minutes and uh, it was a really uh, that's about uh, Gloucester isn't it uh, Rock- Rockland Rockland yeah Rockland um, yeah no it was good they had great facilities they were a new school and uh, I, if any, if anyone's you know looking to play hockey overseas that'd be a top top class place to go now, who who we we've known from uh, previous interviews in another place, and also on Splinters, that you are good friends with Gabe Velardi, uh, the Kings prospect. And how many other NHL players have you come across, or NHL prospects have you come across in your travels? Or does, obviously, um, Gabe would stand out as a top ten pick. But a- any yeah, other players that yeah, you come across? My actually, my really my really close buddy, he, we we roommate we were roommates at uh, at CIH. He he went third round to the Toronto Maple Leafs actually mm-hmm. and there was another guy who was really good he went first round in the OHL but unfortunately he didn't get drafted he's actually teammates with my roommate and he also was really good friends with him both from Russia so you know that obviously nasty um, but and then there's there's Jasper Weatherby he he's uh, going to play D1 mm-hmm. NCAA and he was the MVP of the BCHL, which is a junior hockey league in uh, Western Canada. And who was your friend uh, that got drafted by the Leafs? Uh, he, his name is uh, Semen Argachintsev. So I it's a really it's a really long name, but he's probably he's probably got the best hands I've ever seen, like in person. Oh, fantastic! Now, what what? Obviously, hockey being a very niche sport in Australia is very different to playing in Ottawa, where it's a religion, and Boston, where the Bruins are that they are up up amongst the Red Sox. I think when you think of teams that are synonymous with Boston, even bypassing the New England Patriots, you go past them and you go past the Boston Celtics, even, and you talk 
Bruins and Red Sox. So obviously hockey in Boston is a much bigger deal than it is in Australia. But compare maybe the junior level to what it is at the senior level in Australia. Would would that sort of come in on a similar level in terms of intensity or? Um, it's it's tough to say. You know, we the imp- the whole import aspect of mm-hmm. of Australian hockey is a little different because you know you have those four imports that have played obviously top tier levels in uh, North America so you know they're they're a lot better than the than the teams I'm playing right now but then it kind of fizzles out when you when you go down the line mm-hmm. so it, it's it's tough to say but definitely it's a it's good when you go up against those imports but yeah I don't know, it's tough it's tough to compare I'd say it's about I'd say the AIHL has a little bit more skill top heavy but uh yeah it's a bit it fluctuates. Okay. Yeah. And, Ron, in, in terms of the playing roster this season, obviously there's the opportunity to really step up because you've done so well last season. Have you picked up any domestic players? Because I know that it's difficult to get a read on the imports because so many teams are chopping and changing. But um, have you picked up any local players um, this season? Oh no! I think you know, with with hockey being such kind of a small sport here, the the local kids we know about them, and we've been developing them for some time. You know, a few of them will be getting, you know, a few more games in than they got the year before, and we'll introduce a few other the young kids here. But I mean, there's no real new Australians that you know <laughs> that, that that managed to grow up yesterday that we didn't know about. We know about pretty well everyone in the pipeline already. How much of a relief is it knowing that you've got that extra import slot to spend on a skater, given that you've got the number one goaltender? in Australia in Anthony Kimlin. It's huge. I mean, that's that's the biggest advantage we have over any of the teams in this league is that, you know, we've got a goaltender that's, you know, better than the imports the other guys are going to get. So we don't have to worry about that. And having that one extra player means we can be a little bit more versatile on our attack, on our defense, on our power play. Pretty well all aspects of it. It makes a huge difference for us. And uh, you've seen it last year. Obviously, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what you're aiming for this season, given what happened last season. Crystal ball moment. Who do you think, come September, you're lining up on that Sunday, probably in Melbourne, who's facing off against you in the grand final? It, like I said, it's really hard to say without seeing any of the teams this year. You know, we know we know what Canberra's going to be like. I, I've got a pretty good idea what Melbourne teams are going to be like. But, you know, with a one-game final... You know, just one game semi-final on the Saturday, and the winner goes and plays Sunday. It, it could be anyone. It could be Adelaide. Could be in there. It could be anyone. So it's really hard to say at this point. What would be sweeter in terms of a grand final result? If you had the ultimate grand final win, and you could pick who you had to beat in that grand final, what would be more satisfying? Avenging last season. Or knocking off the local rival? Oh no, avenging last season, hundred percent. I mean, you know, there's a, there's there's a point to be proven, right? There, you know, beating a local team. I mean, that's 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 a local thing, but winning on the national level, that's the goal. What? And just going back to that game, because I sat at home watching it on YouTube because I couldn't get down to Melbourne. Going down early, obviously, it was a, a real tough ask. I mean, just beat, just going with the brave is a big ask. But going down early, and then all of a sudden finding yourself in front. How how much emotion was there on the bench knowing that hang on a minute, we were we were getting beaten two nothing only a few minutes ago and now all of a sudden we're in front. Was there an emotional shift 
on the bench or were the guys sort of trying to keep it cool and calm no, at the time? No, I think everybody, we have, you know, a lot of experience on our team. A two-goal lead in hockey is, is one shift, right? So okay. the, you don't hit the panic station when you're down two. You just continue doing what you're doing. Look for weaknesses on the other team. We exploited a few weaknesses that we picked out at the end of the first period and went after in the second period and kept chugging away on it. And unfortunately, they, they tightened that up and, you know, that's the way, that's the game of hockey. Now, I think it was bypassed last season either by the Bears or maybe in general, but the preseason tournament, the Wilson Cup, is, is that in the pipeline to come back again this season or is it more just uh, teams being left to their own devices? Yeah, no, it won't happen this year for sure. We're too close to the mm-hmm. season already and the planning for that needs to happen early off. It, it's too bad it, we don't do it, but I think it was more, you know, that was more of a, a Blacktown rank, you know, because John Wilson running it and even Aaron, well, Aaron was there because, you know, the Blacktown influence on that on that yeah. team so um, you know losing those two rinks and then forcing the venue to be you know Macquarie for, for a preseason tournament uh, kind of just got a little bit unrealistic opening game Jeremy will be an a in quotation marks away game because you are playing at Macquarie against local rivals how many teeth will you be harvesting from from the Ice Dogs. <laughs> or more, more accurately, after I interviewed him a couple of years ago for the team magazine, how many teeth will Adrian Esposito be harvesting from the Ice Dogs? <laughs> Any uh, number between 60 and 70 will do. Well, I don't know. Magic number... 21. 21. There, there you, there you go. go. There, there, there's an aim, Shane. We can, we can harvest 21 teeth. Come on, you've got to do it properly. You've got to say like our... our beloved host who's normally here, Tony would say, think of a think of a number and just multiply it by five. Yeah, so if you're thinking twenty one, wow, you're now talking hundred and five. And you're supposed to round that up too, aren't you? So- yeah, so <laughs> close to hundred and ten, yeah, but there'll be just think of all the aerosol tins that you'd be able to use that use those teeth in. Yeah, that, that's very true. Speaking of Tony Dawson, we do have him almost ready to go for New South Wales Rugby League, so we have to cut it short. But, Jeremy, it's been great. Make sure that you take off a couple of heads with the Ice Dogs and don't get <laughs> well, a game misconduct. And, Ron, good luck with the season, and it was great to see the team go so close last season. And hope we're just really hoping really hard that we can go one better, better this season and see the Bears come home strong. Okay, well, thank you, and thank you, Triple H, for the opportunity to have our seat. Thank you very much yeah, for joining us. That's Ron Kaprowski and Jeremy Vasquez from the Sydney Bears.